Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. He konai purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. And we're into extra time! Kia ora and welcome to Extra Time, I'm Clay Wilson. The issue of concussion in sport has been ever-present in recent years. And with the spotlight continuing to shine, codes in New Zealand and Australia are ramping up efforts to improve the identification and management of impact-related head injuries. Rugby's latest move involves the trial of a virtual reality eye-tracking test in the new Trans-Tasman competition. The technology is being used alongside the existing Head Injury Assessment, or HIA, protocols. Rugby League, meanwhile, is doubling down on its crackdown on high and dangerous tackles, with the NRL pledging to consider a limit on the number of full-contact training sessions clubs are permitted to run each season. So, when it comes to the 15-man code, how exactly might virtual reality provide the next step forward in concussion management? Here's World Rugby Chief Medical Officer Dr Aina Falvey explaining the idea behind the latest trial. The eye-tracking technology, um, we're looking at two kinds. One is is tracking what we call smooth pursuit. Another is a virtual reality suite looking at a variety of, of vestibular ocular tests. And what these tests do is they measure your brain control of eye movement. So your eye movement is a very complex um, neurological function, which is your eyes move independently of, yet uh, completely dependent upon how your, your, your head and brain are moving at the same time. That ability to focus while moving is one of the key factors uh, in, in normal function. Um, the, the technology around this is based on the fact that when you have a transient neurological event, such as a concussion or a head impact event, that that may alter how well your eyes uh, can track and what your vestibular ocular function looks like. Uh, and therefore, if you can accurately measure vestibular ocular function, you may well be able to measure the deficits that are behind the concussion. Um, to that event, what we do is we, we bring a, a, a test uh, a, a test which can accurately measure that vestibular ocular function and we measure it com- in comparison to the head injury assessment and if at the end of a season of testing this adds to the diagnostic accuracy of the test we then consider whether or not this is something worthwhile adding to the test. And joining me now to discuss this trial and the other latest developments involving concussion are New Zealand Rugby Medical Manager Karen Rasmussen and Specialist Emergency Physician and Match Day Doctor, Dr John Bonning. Coming to you first, Karen, can you give us a bit of background on this trial? When did you guys at NZR first hear about it, and why did you want to give it a go? Yep, uh, thanks for having me, Clay. Um, so we heard about it probably shortly before Super Rugby Aotearoa kicked off. Um, World Rugby approached us and asked if we would be interested in uh, running the trial as part of Super Rugby Aotearoa. Um, it came in probably a little bit too close to the wire for that one. Um, there's a lot of preparation that needs to be done around 
putting something like this in place. And so um, we agreed alongside Rugby Australia to put it in place for Super Rugby Trans Tasman. So it gave us a little bit more runway um, to ensure that all of the players had baseline tests, um, understood what the process was going to be, that we could educate match officials and so on. Um, so they knew what to expect come round one, which happened last weekend. And how exactly is the trial being run in terms of match-to-match, how it's playing out, and what's going to go into deciding uh, if this is going to be a permanent part of concussion management beyond just this trial? So uh, the VR technology is being used alongside the existing HIA process. So if a player is removed from the field to have uh, a sideline HIA, uh, then as part of doing that HIA assessment, we are also adding on uh, the virtual reality test uh, to the end of that. So before they kicked off, they did a baseline test, which takes around about eight minutes, and it runs through a battery of different tests, different uh, ocular motor tests. Uh, and then in the in-game, they do a shortened version of the baseline. So that takes around about two minutes. So... What we've done is we have added two minutes onto the existing HIA timing. So the current, well, the timing prior to Neuroflex VR tracking technology being introduced was 12 minutes for a head injury assessment. And um, we've added another two minutes onto that. So if a player comes off for an HIA, they go through the existing HIA assessment with the match day doctor and then at the end of that assessment they also do the eye tracking test and so they've got a minimum of 12 minutes um, to get both tests done or up to 14 minutes and then if you add a blood injury onto that uh, that takes the time out to 19 minutes so it's a significant amount of time I suppose in in a match but um, we see it as something worth doing. John you're a match day doctor what do you make of this trial I'm sure you're pretty interested by it and and how it might work and how it might improve the process very much so Clay Um, so I think it's really important to realize from the outset that concussion is a a functional derangement uh, of the brain rather than structural and everybody thinks oh you need to do CT scans and MRIs and what have you they're not very good and it's assessed by symptoms cognition and balance so the rugby people around the world, unions, uh, New Zealand rugby, have been taking this very, very seriously for some time now. And we've been pitch side doing uh, various you know, tests of memory and cognition and digits and what have you. And adding this in, I think, adds a further step of looking at brain function. And, and look, uh, we'll have to see if this uh, is validated because you need to try something like this and see if it does pick up derangements of function. You know, you, you apply a test and, and you've got to work out whether it's going to work. It's going to pick up the problems that you want it to pick up and that it's, um, uh, and it allows you to make clear decisions in a match. And these are, these are tough decisions to make sometimes to pull players off. So, yeah, we're, um, we're excited and interested in this new Neuroflex testing. You referenced a bit of it there. The current testing, um, do you see it yeah. as a as a potential replacement or is it something that still needs no. to be used alongside the current I protocols that are in place? Yeah, yeah. so you've got to take into account symptoms, cognition, and mm. then some kind of balance. Um, and so, you know, the, the so-called Maddox questions, uh, who scored last, what halfway, what venue we had, those sorts of things, you know, immediate stuff, and then an immediate uh, recall of a number of, 
uh, words and uh, the digits backwards is quite complex. You get up to uh, seven digits to the, your, a red fortune, have to read backwards. So no, no, it's all complex and all has to be done, I think, as part of this and in clinical science. And this just adds another element to that testing. Karen, how far are you looking beyond this and perhaps it does become a permanent part in terms of rolling it out down the levels because it doesn't sound like something that's maybe necessarily cheap, especially in the first instance. How are you looking at it perhaps from a a grassroots community level or or are you viewing that space in a a different way and perhaps the developments and progress you need to make there? I think we're, we're interested in the results of this study. So, you know, we do need to wait for that to determine whether it is accurate um, we know that the existing HIA uh, is 90% accurate for detecting concussion in players, and this is going to enhance that. In terms of looking at it, you know, as you go down the grades into NPC, Heartland, community rugby, anything's possible. I think there's probably some uh, advancements in the technology that need to take place. Um, it needs to be, you know, able to be scaled, I suppose, and adapted to the community game. Obviously, we have a lot more support around the professional game with doctors, physios and the like, match day doctors, and, and that's not always the case as you go down the level. So it's just trying to find ways that the technology can then be uh, adapted, I suppose, to be used in the community level, but uh, anything is possible. In terms of other changes or improvements, I mentioned at the start the NRL, they're talking about um, looking into... Um, limiting contact training sessions because it seems for them anyway contact uh, and training sessions can be where a lot of the concussions can happen. Um, I also spotted something about saliva testing. I don't know if you've seen that as well, but these are a couple of things I spotted that were new to me. And I just wondered how, how much are you looking into other things perhaps alongside this VR technology that can you know help you make progress in this area? Yeah, so I suppose anything is on the table. Um as John said, a lot of these things need to be validated. The saliva testing um, is really interesting to us. I think the technology um, that will allow that to be done sideline is a few years away. But when that is in place, that will definitely be something that we'll, we will be looking at. Um, the NRL is doing, you know, we're always really heartened to see other sports taking steps to manage and prevent concussions occurring in games and in training I suppose so um, you know we're, we're always supportive of what we see happening in other other codes. I'm aware of various trials uh, on biomarkers for concussion uh, and that's based on blood tests presumably there are some saliva ones as well there's a lot of work going on in this sphere across uh, the globe because of course American football and fo- football uh, rates pretty highly in terms of the number of concussions uh, it, it gets. So still experimental and challenging to apply uh, pit side. And look, it's very, very important for us to think about those lower levels of rugby and right down to um, uh, school uh, level rugby uh, and beyond. And we've employed recognise and remove for those. And so, you know, seem to be sort of fairly sensible on that. But yeah, look, there's some exciting work, but it's it's challenging to come up with something that's going to be reliable, scalable and usable across all levels. It does seem like we're discussing, you know, the VR, but we're discussing other perhaps ideas around this and just how much we still don't know about it. So how much is still unknown and how much progress is still to be made with this, particularly in relation to sport? Yeah, look, there's a lot of unknowns. It's very, very hard to predict uh, and yeah, there's there's work going on across a variety of sporting codes around the world. Uh, rugby, I believe, is taking it very, very seriously. 
and you know, there, there's there's nothing that's showing up in flashing lights as as the next best thing. We just need to be uh, you know very very careful about the way we manage people's symptoms when people return. Uh, we've got very good sports and exercise physicians now that help to manage this and do you know your graded return to sport and, mm. and those sorts of things. So yeah, there's nothing uh, immediate showing huge promise, but a lot of work is being done. And Karen, perhaps just to round the conversation out, going back to where we started with the VR testing, um, from an NZR perspective, how big a step forward could this represent in terms of that pursuit of, I guess, an an optimal process around concussion in rugby, I guess, specifically for you guys? Yeah, well, I think it's an exciting development for us if it proves to be something that we're going to take forward into the future. Um, As I said before, the existing HIA is 90% accurate. So this, you know, we don't want to stop at that point. We want to be better than that. So this is something that we see as, you know, taking that closer to 100%. Obviously, we don't want to see concussions happening at all, but Mm -hmm. the reality of being a contact sport, um, you know, adding to what John just said, there's no silver bullet here. We're looking at, you know, everything is on the table. Um, Going back to, you know, community games, because that's where the majority of our people are. There is um, a few different studies that we're running with World Rugby. One of which is where we're taking a version of the HIA from the professional game and and uh, using that in the community game and at high school level where, where the players have a baseline test, we use an app. And that seems to be you know showing some really good results around just increasing the awareness of concussion and, and managing it and, and, and ensuring that, number one, that players are removed from the field and then that they are seen by a doctor, they understand the return to play protocols um, and that they're cleared before they return to contact. So definitely some good work going on in the community there. Certainly, uh, Clay. I mean, the only other thing that I'd throw in is concussion is part of everyday life and, you know, we, we don't want to give the impression that all sport is causing you know, rafts of concussions and, and even just falling over. Uh, it can can give some people concussion, and uh, but it's an interesting and evolving area. The pursuit of Olympic gold medals ramps up for New Zealand's women's and men's sevens teams over the next three days. Having not played since before the COVID pandemic hit, the opening of the Trans-Tasman bubble is enabling the Kiwi sides to host their Australian counterparts for six matches each in Auckland. The fixtures are a big boost to Tokyo Games preparations for all four teams and a welcome return to international sevens after more than a year confined to the training paddock. New Zealand women's player Niall Williams says the whole squad is beyond excited to be back in the Black Ferns jersey. Yeah, I guess you could say the girls are a bit frothing at the mouth to play, you know, some opposition that's not ourselves. It's been yeah, over a year since we last played international footy, so I guess for a few of the older ones, it's, uh, you know, kind of, yep, we, we know what we're doing here, but the more exciting, I guess, piece is the young girls who haven't played international footy um, before. Talking to the guys last week, they were saying they were sort of sick of smashing each other around at <laughs> training. Has that been the same for you guys, you know, like opposed training sessions and not being able to go out and play actual opposition? Oh, yeah, I think... Um, um, you got to look at it from two perspectives. Like, 
the, the, the first on the positives is we get to play the other best team in the world. Like we consider ourselves the best in the world. So when you're playing each other, there's no better opposition. But in saying that too, yeah, I don't want to smash my friends all, all day long. I want to smash some other people. So yeah, uh, I think we are kind of similar to the boys where it's just you want to play against people who don't know your moves, who you don't know what they're going to do. So it's more real life to actual tournament, like a game. Yeah. You mentioned there about how good Aussie are. How much of a boost is it for you guys for your games prep to get six games against a quality team like Australia? Oh yeah, like you said, they're obviously one of the top three teams in the last well since um, Sevens has started. So for us to get the opportunity to play against them is big for us. I guess for them too, it's probably um, just as important that they get to play a quality team like ourselves. So we always want to be the best, but um, you, you got to play the best to get tested. So uh, yeah, quality footy and nothing like it really. Yeah. Saturday you're going to get to play at Eden Park. Have you played at Eden Park before? No, and I'm um, born and bred in Auckland, so for me uh, it's a little bit of a dream come true to run out on uh, Eden Park. I obviously got to see my brother play there, and I was so jealous because obviously he played league and then he came to rugby and then he got to go on Eden Park before me, so I was like, I love going to Eden Park. I love the grounds. I love being an Auckland City girl on this team because they all give me, you know, they give me a bit of slack because heaps of them are country girls and that, but, yeah, I love being in the big smoke and everything, you know, the, the stand and um, I actually went to that 660 concert the weekend and it was amazing and in my head I was like, oh, don't ruin the fields for our um, rugby tournament coming up. So, yeah, it's for me, it's um, probably one thing that I hadn't off in my career that um, I'm truly grateful um, to get to run out on, the, on those fields here. Aucklander. <laughs> How many ticket requests have you had? I mean, family, friends, that are going to get to see you play on that field? Yeah, I've got actually yeah, quite a bit of family coming and also my partner's family are going to all be there, so there should be close, so I reckon maybe about 40 of them coming, but um, we only got given two tickets, so I had to give one to my partner and, and my brother, so <laughs> I rang up my brother, come on, surely you can pull a few strings, mate, gosh, but yeah, nah. What do you want to get out of these games? I mean, how important is it to win them and how important is it just to tick the boxes that you want in terms of your preparation for the games? I think first and foremost you want to win because any you know little bit of a the mind battle goes on. So you want to be leaving this with one over the other team. Um, you want them to go and go. Oh man, you know what do we need to improve on and things like that. But it's important for us to um, not show too many of our cards. You know, like we want to be smart. We've still got a, the pinnacle event coming up, but we still want to practice our combinations. And um, I think for a lot of the girls too, you know, this is probably maybe their last opportunity to put their hand up for for a spot in that 16 um, go, that's going to head to the Olympics. So we do have another one obviously in Townsville uh, in June Oceania coming up but they would probably more so be the team that's likely to go to Olympics I'm guessing so yeah very important um, and who doesn't want to beat Australia come on man Gosh. <laughs> Blackfern Sevens player Niall Williams there speaking ahead of the women's and men's Trans-Tasman Sevens matches in Auckland A lack of pools in Wellington has forced New Zealand's top swimmer Lewis Clairbert to train in public lanes in his build-up to the Tokyo Games. With one of the pools in the region out of action, the council is struggling to accommodate all those wanting to use the remaining facilities. That includes Clairbert, the number two ranked 400 metre medley swimmer in the world this year, who has been forced to have some of his sessions in lanes with the public. He spoke to Barry Guy this week. Most of the time we don't have to swim in, in public lanes, so we get our um, a swim squad lane, but actually recently um, we've struggled with getting lane space, so it sucks that the Nine-Eye pool at the moment is closed, so a lot of the pool space at Freiburg and at Kilburnie is taken up by stuff that would usually go on at Nine-Eye. So even now, this is probably going to be the hardest preparation for me for the Olympics, purely for the fact that 
we're struggling just generally to get pool time. So we've just like we just got an email yesterday saying that four or five of our swim sessions over the next three weeks have been cancelled because we can't like we can't get in the pool. Last Saturday uh, morning, we had to swim in the public lane because uh, <laughs> we couldn't get pool time, which which sucks because you know we're trying to build up for this pinnacle event of the year and you can't even get proper pool time. How does that make you you feel? I mean, is there a chance you think you might get blimmin' clobbered? Is it a bit crowded? You know, you have to sort of stop and wait or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, it's tough because for us, we look like we're going so slow, but we're actually going a lot faster than than, um, people think. So we do get quite a lot of public swimmers that jump in and think that we're going quite slow. So quite often I'll get, if I'm in a public lane, I'll get an old, old bugger that might pop in. And I think the biggest thing is that because I'm going quite fast, it's actually quite dangerous for, say, the old bugger to be in my lane because if I clop him in the in the arm or something, you know, he, he's probably going to come off worse than me. <laughs> All right, so you're more concerned perhaps for the public than, uh, than yourself perhaps having to share lanes. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the time it, it is really dangerous. And obviously it's annoying that I'm going a lot faster than them, than them and they quite often get in my way and stuff. But, I mean, it's such a small percentage of my training that I have to share with the public. A lot of the time it's fine. But if you're, you know, trying to be the best in the world, like I am, you sort of want to make sure that you're consistently having every single training with the the best resources and stuff. And when you can't do that, it's sort of, it's an external, I guess, factor that you can't control which sort of sucks when it's something that you can't control. Lewis Clearbert talking to Barry Guy. Rotorua para shot putter Lisa Adams will be heading to her first Paralympic Games in Tokyo in just over 90 days. Adams, who has cerebral palsy, broke her own F37 shot put world record three times in 2019 after first getting involved in para-athletics the previous year. The Paralympics will be just her second international event, but if she wants some advice on performing at the top, she can always ask her coach and sister Dame Valerie Adams, who is preparing for her fourth Olympic Games. Lisa Adams spoke to Felicity Reid about challenges of preparing for the Games and coming from a famous sporting family. Very grateful to, to have made the team, but our, our work's not done. How was the last year for you? Obviously, it was a little, probably a little bit difficult with some of the ways that you could or couldn't train. Yes, yeah, it was. Eh? Um, but it was it was more physical challenges not being able to train. Um, but the delay of the Games ended up being a blessing in disguise for me, so that just gave me an extra year to prepare instead of one less year because I've only been doing this for three years. So it meant an extra year, you know, to try and make the team. But not having access to the gym meant I could only train at home. I don't have gear at home, you know, gym equipment at home to train. So it was the physical changes, you know, physically dropped muscle, dropped weight. And, you know, I, that's not what I wanted to do, but that's what ended up happening. I still trained at home every day, so I got really fit, but I just lost heaps of muscle. So when I finally got access to the gym... I had to mentally wrap my head around how different my body was, you know, in terms of strength and stuff, because I got weaker as well. And it was kind of like, why can't I lift this anymore? But it was like, once I got my head around that, I was fine. But yeah, that was probably surprised me the most, was the physical changes. Jane Valerie's been coaching you. Yes. She's obviously been doing her own as well. Yeah, so we um, 
you know, open discussions. We have a plan and it works. We train in different islands, so, you know, Sissy trains in the South Island, I train in the North Island, but we make it work. We communicate every day. It is what it is. You know, I'm, I'm keen to do anything as long as I could still have her as my coach, and it's so great to be able to work together. Honestly, it's the best It's the best thing ever, being trained by her. She's so amazing. Like, our situation's different, but we make it work, and, um, yeah, we just... We just hash out a plan and then just hustle, work hard and, you know, just I think our progress has proved that it works. And for someone who hasn't been in this sport for very long, yes. uh, you probably haven't had that many competitions. Yeah, no, so this will be my second black singlet event. So my first international debut was 18 months after I started back in 2019, so this will be my second international you know black singlet event um so yeah it's pretty exciting it's been yeah. pretty exciting for your family as well it is um you know my family are very supportive we have a family full of athletes anyway so it's not normal but it's it is what it is so this is yeah it's what we do and and you know what we're trying to do so it's pretty good our family are very supportive para shot putter lisa adams there speaking to felicity reed And that brings us to the end of Extra Time. My thanks to New Zealand Rugby's Karen Rasmussen and Specialist Emergency Physician Dr John Bonning. Extra Time is available every Friday from about 4pm. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, iHeartRadio and of course at rnz.co.nz. Give us a rating if you would. That helps a whole lot and means other listeners can find us much more easily. I'm Clay Wilson. Ka kite Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.